Welcome to Talking Giants, August 6, 2019. We got a big episode coming up for you. We got an interview with Rob of Everything NYG coming up later. We got some stuff house clean to take care of. We're going to preview that preseason game. But before we even get into that, Danny, I'm excited for this preseason game, man. I really am. It felt like, you know how you like you have those those weekday games where you, you get done with what you're doing during the day so you get to look forward to it? It was like once I got off work today, it was like, man, in two days when I get off work, I'm going to be going home and watching the Giants. I'm excited. So, Danny, what, I mean, are you pumped? I'm, I'm definitely pumped. Yeah, it feels like we've waited so long for Giants football. And there's just like a new energy to preseason this year, especially with doing this podcast. Since we ended, we'd started this podcast when there was no Giants football really to talk about. So this is our first real game action. So I'm excited, one, for this, and two, just to finally watch some Giants football. It's feeling, been like forever. And it was just torture watching the Falcons, Broncos. Well, I didn't even watch it, but just hearing about it, thinking like, man, we still have to wait another week. I know that that actually is a thought. Like I love the Hall of Fame game. I watch the entire game every year, but it's like, man, one more week till our guys get to play. And it is exciting because this will be the first time we can talk about Giants football with game uniforms on instead of practice. I mean, we've done a, a million practice episodes, but now it's the game stuff. Anyways, I guess I'll introduce ourselves. I'm Bobby Skinner, host of this show, as you know, here with Danny King. He also hosts the show, if you didn't know. Just lots of rhymes, just rhyming words over and over again. But let's get into some house cleaning stuff, and then we'll kind of preview like some of the guys are watching for that game. First things first, Sterling Shepard, stop throwing him the football. He has a broken thumb. Please stop throwing him the football. Stop, like, stop even putting him in situations where he can have the football thrown to him. That crap aggravates like, like me so much. And like we saw him doing the one-handed stuff, and then they threw like a pass to him last week, and then they brought him out today without the practice jersey, and he, you know, they throw a ball to him, or sorry, without the yellow no-contact jersey, throws a ball to him, and he walks away from the play, like, messing with his hand, and then they put the yellow jersey on him. Like, we don't need him for preseason week one. I get that you want to get him in there and get reps, and there's a lot on his plate this year, but we're a month away from that. We're a month away from games that mean something for our starters. So, for me, it's kind of aggravating that they did that, and, you know, thankfully, he's all right, and it, it didn't get worse, or at least that we know of, but like that really did tick me off. And so, yeah, I, I just, it was just, it's, it's useless. Like there's no point of that, of risking that. And somebody did ask Pat Schirmer that last week. And like, isn't that like an unnecessary risk? And he kind of shot it down and it's like, well, maybe like the injury is not as bad as we thought or something. Um, and then him coming out without the yellow practice jersey today, it's like, Oh, maybe it, it wasn't a, a, a fractured thumb or I, I don't know. But the fact that they're doing this, uh, it actually aggravates me. Well, unless I'm wrong and read this, do correct me, but according to Tom Rock, uh, he did have the yellow jersey on, but still, no matter what, they still ignored it. It was like he didn't even have the yellow practice jersey on. And, and as, as I said, when Eli first did threw the ball to him, I kind of found it funny. I was like, man, Eli just doesn't care. He's year 16. He does what he wants. But then in a situation like this, is it, showing the risk of doing that. So I'm with you. The, the risk we're lucky Sterling Shepard's injury d- didn't require surgery and that he should be back week one. We shouldn't 
be risking him, especially with our wide receiver issues at the moment with Golden Tate suspension and Corey Coleman with his ACL tear. We need him ready for week one. We need him healthy. I, I, I like having him run the route still. I'm a fan of that. But d- don't throw him the ball. There's, there should be like they should like put a bubble around him just so no one can throw. They him did. The ball. They put a yellow practice. They put a yellow jersey on him, and they still. Uh, I don't know what the deal is. This like I, I get it. Like you want to get him prepared, but like I, I feel like at this point Eli needs to know that it, it's not worth the risk. They put it on him for a reason. Just, just yes, it's a little yellow penny, but like observe it. Like it, it, pretend it's like if if you throw it to him, you'll go to jail or something. Don't touch him. Don't throw him the football. Just leave him alone until week one. Let him still run his routes. That's not the issue here. I, I wanted to keep running the routes, but if he gets if this fumble injury becomes even worse, then we're gonna look like morons for having this injury happen. Yeah, it wouldn't be Eli Manning's first time in jail. People forget that. Uh, um, do, do you know that story? Yeah, I know that story. Okay, so no, we don't have to bring it up. Just look up Eli Manning arrested. Um, it's just funny because, like, most people don't think about that, which you shouldn't. Anyways, um, other wide receiver news, uh, the Cardinals signed Crabtree. Uh, so that kind of goes out the window. I don't, I don't want to talk much on that. Golden Tate, uh, so today when you're listening to this, uh, he will be doing his hearing on Tuesday, uh, you know, for to get a suspension repealed. I know we're kind of further away from it, so maybe some thoughts have changed. Do you think there's – any chance of this getting appealed or reduced? Uh, no. Uh, well, there's no way this gets fully overturned because this is the same situation with Robert Mathis in 2014. But as John Fennelly said in our, in our interview, he was told that Shep, uh, Golden Tate had a kid in, I want to say, February, if I'm correct. Or he had it recently. So it, the fertility thing, it, it's kind of strange. But I, I think it's all what he tested p- positive for. And if we all have to guess, it's got to be the Clomid substance that Robert Mathis tested for since, once again, they both tested for the same thing. They both did fertility plan. And so, uh, unfortunately, I don't see a way this can get overturned because they, they got they are strict with their policy. And they show like, ah, oh, well, we're not going to do the fertility plan. They were not going to be as harsh on that. Then maybe more players will attempt fertility plan and, and try and get whatever in it. to be like, oh, but I was doing fertility planning, guys. Obviously, they could see that he wasn't doing it, but they got to set the standard for it. I'm hoping it's reduced to two games uh, because I don't see like I don't see it being ill intent by uh, Golden Tate, but I've known the NFL is going to stay all four games. Uh, or I mean, they reduce suspensions for other things, or they don't even give suspensions for other things. But PEDs—that's a no-no. Yeah, there's no way. If this got reduced to three games, I would be I would be overjoyed because I just. I don't think there's any chance. We've never seen it happen before except for one player. I can't remember who it was. Uh, he had a prescription for Adderall. Um, so, yeah, I, I just I just don't see there being any chance of this. And like, and at the end of the day, yeah, they tell you to know exactly what you're putting in. I get that he, he's self-reported and all that, but at, this falls on Golden Tate. He's going to be suspended for the first four games. I, like I said, I'd be completely blown away if he is not suspended. Um, so some other house cleaning. Uh, Austin Drugsma was cut. He was, if you don't remember him, he was the shot putter from Florida State who did, hadn't played football since high school. Um, they gave him a shot. I'm all for that kind of stuff. When you have 90 guys on the roster, you know, I'm I'm cool with you playing around with a few spots and see when it happens. I mean, stuff like this does happen. We see guys who hadn't played football be successful, like guys like Jimmy Graham. Um, a lot, mostly it's in the tight end spot, but uh, Austin Drugsma was cut. Um, 
so but anyways like it, it doesn't bother me that we we brought him on i saw some people getting mad like why would bring bring in this guy it's like well when you have 90 guys on a roster it's worth a shot but we also brought in terrence feed who last played for miami in 2017 and joey alfire i we're gonna get that name wrong hopefully Maybe we should hope he doesn't make the team because that name is going to be wrong. Uh, which one of these guys do you want to start with, Danny? Uh, let's start with, I say Terrence, since he's played in NFL games before. Joey, he's an undrafted free agent from Stanford. Yes, Stanford. Let's start yeah. with Terrence. Yeah, Terrence Feed. Uh, he's 27 years old, so he's you know he's not old by any stretch. He's 6'4", 265. He didn't play last year, but he did play for Miami. Uh, he's had 51 career games that he's played in, 40 career tackles, two tackles for a loss and a sack, and a safety, uh, but the safety was on a block punt. Uh, so some, I went and watched some of his last games for Miami. Uh, he's kind of just if he's iffy. Uh, he, you know, when he, he could shoot the gap all right, but there was times where tight ends just kind of bodied him. Uh, so I didn't like that. Uh, I can't remember whose tight end it was, but there was a tight – oh, it was the Jets tight end, um, Herndon. And I don't think that he's known for being a really good blocker, but like he was kind of just holding his own against him. He did have, you know, a good play here and there. That being said, he could actually make this raw. Like when I first heard this, I'm like, oh, no chance he makes the roster. But after our, our top three of Dex, Tal- uh, Dalvin, and BJ Hill, you got Olsen Pierre and RJ McIntosh, who I see being lost, roster locks. And after that, it's I, like he could actually t- uh, get this spot uh, with Terrence, you know, Avery Moss is there. Um, and there's really like nobody else there. I guess they. Uh, I found out they they cut Alex Jenkins a couple weeks ago. I forgot about that. So he could actually make this spot, this roster. Although I do think there's a chance the Giants only run five defense, like true defensive linemen, um, this season. I think he was more brought in to be a body because the Giants do have some injuries going on there. Uh, but yeah, he does seem like, at least in my opinion, I think he's just here for a preseason body and practice body. Uh, yeah, he spent time with Buffalo last year, but he didn't see any game action. I mean, Miami really wasn't much of a force. He had a few tackles here and there. So, I mean, I'm not over the moon about, about uh, Terrence feed. So, uh, I mean, hey, you got a roster spot. So, I mean, I guess he must have something. But I personally believe he's just a body on this team to have some practice going. Yeah, and I also forgot about Chris Lay in the seventh-round pick we got out of Syracuse this year. Oh, yeah. Who, uh, and, and, you know, we've talked about him. I'm not high on him at all. But I'd rather give you know a young guy a shot over Terrence Feed, especially when that fifth guy, unless we have injuries, isn't going to get a whole lot of playing time with us running so much nickel. Um, you know, there's going to be a rotation of those big three, and then RJ McIntosh, who is a guy I like a lot, and then Olsen Pierre. You know, he's been in that James Betcher scheme, and I, I could I could see him getting some important reps. Um, the other guy we got, we claimed him from the Eagles, who cut him uh, to make room to sign Jonathan Cyprin, Joey Alfiere. Alfieri. It sounds it's like Guy Fieri. Uh, yeah, that's how we're gonna do it. Alf Alfieri. Guy Fieri. Alfie I, I can't put them two together. I can say them separately, but I can't put them two together. Joey Alfieri. Big Joey. That's what I want to call him. Big Joey. Uh, he was an undrafted free agent out of Stanford. This guy is kind of intriguing. I didn't really watch much film on him at all. Um his film doesn't blow you away, but if you look at his, some of his numbers, first of all, he's 6'3, 240, 4'4, 6'40 40 time. He's going to play on the edge. Uh, I guess he can play inside linebacker, but I, th- I think he'll, you know, his, if he's on this team or on the practice squad, it'll be mainly as an outside linebacker edge guy. Now, last year he played in nine games, only had 34 tackles, two and a half sacks, and four tackles for loss. 
His junior season were pretty similar numbers in 11 games. But his sophomore season was was like really impressive. He had 51 tackles, four sacks, 10 and a half tackles for a loss, and two picks. It's kind of crazy that like his numbers dropped off so much. And with that 40 time, and he's got like perfect size, he's kind of intriguing. Now, like he he might be one of those guys to watch in the preseason. He's not, you know, on my watch list for the Browns one because he just he just came in, so maybe they won't pit him in a whole lot. But game week two, like when we do our guys to watch, he very well may be one of my guys because like those those numbers like they are intriguing but we also know that you know football is not played on paper but you're definitely intriguing and definitely a guy worth taking a shot on at least no yeah i'm with you i haven't seen much tape about him uh i'll obviously i'll probably check some out maybe this weekend after we get through this first game because obviously as you said he's probably not gonna be playing in this first game maybe in a special teams role but there's no way he's gonna be out there on defense because he still has to learn this playbook really well but as you said his stats especially sophomore year were quite impressive uh it just yeah the drop off is kind of like oh, i wonder what happened there i don't follow college football as hard or i don't even know anything about stanford so i have no idea what's going on over there but and there's no, there's like barely any film out on him either. So yeah, so so I mean, we're, maybe we'll find something on him, but he's not a big time name. So not many people are focusing on Joey Alfieri. But uh, once again, I think he has a was I, I'm more intrigued by him than Terrence Feed because one, this guy's an undrafted free agent, so he's still kind of an unknown at the NFL level. You know, we know something about uh, Feed, and it's nothing impressive. So I'm looking forward to see what he does. Uh, he's probably going to have to start off on special teams to work his way up into reps on the defensive side of the ball. He'll probably play a lot of defense in the Week 4 game in the last-ditch effort for these guys to make the roster. But he has something in him. And a little funny story, uh, Art Stapleton uh, said uh, Alfieri found out he was got claimed by the Giants. He was just on his couch playing Fortnite on a Wednesday around four. Uh, Freaking right millennials. Millennials <laughs> in their Fortnite. Danny, are you a Fortnite guy? I haven't, I, I've never asked you that. See, I, I used to be, but then, like, I just started, like, 10-year-olds started beating me like crazy. They, they're so good at this game. I, I didn't catch up with everyone else, so I fell off the train while that's still going. But, hey, I'm a Madden player. Madden's out. It's a great game. Everyone did, should buy it. Did you get it? I did get it, yes. I'm going to have to buy it, and I'm going to play you. I'm going to freaking destroy you, Danny. I can read a defense like no other. I know what I know what kind of defense you're running before the play even snaps the ball. I'm kind of a genius at that kind of stuff. Bro, my user's unmatched. Don't even test me. I'm at Simple Man Radio on. I'm dang it. All right, I'm going. I'm buying Madden this week, and I'm going to play you. Hmm. Um, and yeah, we'll 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 do. We'll, I'm going to play you in Madden. I'm going to freaking destroy you. I'm not good on the sticks, but my head like works at a million miles an hour. I just know football. That's <laughs> why I can't. I can't play like any Call of Duty. I'm so bad at that. I can't like move. I can't make the guy move and then shoot at the same time. But like you, you put me in 2K and I run that weave and I'm just passing the ball nonstop. Um, you know, I could play a little FIFA. I'm not the best at FIFA, but Madden is my thing. Like I'm just gonna outwork you, and I'm <laughs> gonna I'm gonna make you so mad. It's unbelievable. Uh, so, anyways, I just called him a millennial. We just spent like two minutes talking about playing video games, but we're playing real men football ga- games, like football. Um, anyways. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. We just alienated all our Fortnite guys out there. See you guys later. We are a fort less than a fortnight to preseason game. All right. Um, anything <laughs> else? Okay, yeah. So I got triggered again, which made me to do another Daniel Jones study. 
Oh no. So I went, you know, this one was pretty easy because there wasn't a whole lot of them. But just Daniel Jones out of the pocket, how was he? Um, so I'll just read off the numbers and then I'll I'll talk about it a little bit. Uh, so outside the pocket last year, he was 14 to 27 uh, with 145 yards, two touchdowns, and one interception. That his la- his last throw out of the pocket was his only interception um, outside of the pocket. Three throwaways, three drops. Um, so when you account for the throwaways, his completion percentage is 58%. When you account for the drops, it's 63%. And then when you account for both, it's 71%. Uh, but overall, he threw from the pocket 93% of the time. Um, so when he scrambled out of the pocket, he usually was running. He wasn't – and I'm not saying, like, oh, he wasn't looking to throw. Just, like, when he when he had to leave the pocket, you know, and with those Duke receivers, a lot of times it was aggravating. It's like once he did leave the pocket, they weren't, like, moving around or coming back to the ball. They kind of just sat there at the end of their routes. And so he did run when uh, – that's, like, where most of his running came from. I know they did do a decent amount of design runs at Duke. But for the most part, most of his running came from when he was scrambling outside the pocket. But like I said, he throws 93% of the time from the pocket. That's where he's comfortable. That's where you win football games. Um, and he, like, and I don't want to go back into this whole Daniel Jones deep dive, but he's just, like, it, it showed me because I was looking for outside the pocket plays. It just, it, like, popped off the screen about how comfortable he is in the pocket uh, with pressure around him and stepping up. And it just made me more excited to play for him knowing that but he can get out of the pot like we you know we've seen his legs um and we talk about i talk about that with rob later in the show but just it was, it was a cool little study i did probably the the most the least interesting out of all the ones i did but nonetheless it was something uh if you guys have anything else you want bobby look at about daniel jones he'll he'll do it if you want to look at how many steps daniel jones took on a play he'll he'll probably do it uh once again People are going to find something to hate about Daniel Jones this time as what his out of pocket throws. At this point, like, finally, Someone, some... someone's going to say Daniel Jones sucks on his three step drops. I'm going to watch every single three step drop. It's going to happen, and it's just, it's just going to be bad. You're not you're going to miss the preseason game because you're going to look at Daniel Jones' three step drop. <laughs> but but finally, I cannot wait to overanalyze every single throw <laughs> of Daniel Jones in the preseason. Like, there's a smile on my face right now because I legitimately am excited. To just go, I'm going to spend at least a good like five minutes on every single throw. Like it's <laughs> it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm so pumped for that. I think that's the most like we get to see our QB for the first time in in, in live action. Yeah, that's the thing. We're finally going to get a him in live action. So we're going to see how he is progressing camp. Uh, how much he either has gotten better since the spring. How much he's either digressed from the spring. How much he stayed the same from the spring. But finally. The talk can finally stop, and we'll watch Daniel Jones in the first game. But if he stinks, I can already see the headlines now. Giants rookie, a bust, question mark. That'll be on the New York Post. Daily News will say something about him. Pat Leonard will rip him to shreds. Uh, there's just a whole uh, fan base wall, and then there'll be hashtag uh, should have drafted Haskins or hashtag tra- right, Can we just stop saying all these negative things, Danny? Dang, bro, you're killing me out here. It's just what uh, the fans uh, are going to do. Is if he stinks, but it's that's not going to happen, happen, Danny, because he's going to knock. He's going to be 19 for 20 with one drop. Never said it was going to happen. We're uh, Daniel Jones is going to die. He's going to be the preseason MVP. I'm not even sure if that's an award the NFL gives, but it's going to happen. We will. We'll give it to him. We'll make a T-shirt that says preseason MVP. <laughs> um, so obviously, okay. So let's talk about the preseason game. What we expect. We're not going to talk about what we expect out of Jones. Um, here's what. Here's the only thing I will say. Last year in the preseason opener, 
Uh, the Giants threw it 45 times, ran it 23 times. Eli threw seven passes. I think he made two drives. Davis Webb, who was the backup at the time, threw 22 passes. So I expect to see Daniel Jones around that 20 throw mark. But I also expect us to run a lot more with uh, the battle between Gallman and Perkins. I do but have a question for you really quickly. Do you mind? Oh, I, 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 I never mind, Danny. Who do, you, who do you think starts first, Tanny or Jones? Jones. I think Jones is the two at, at this point. It, it would be a, a game of semantics to not just pit Jones out there and give him the if, – if they – if okay, so say Eli doesn't play and they start Tanny, it better be like with the Broncos where they gave Kevin Hogan two two draws and then they let uh, Drew Locke play. So he, he better be – get. let me put it this way. Daniel Jones better have the most passes out of all the Giants or I'm going to be ticked off. So let's go into some of our guys. We are we're just going to pick three guys of who we're looking out for. Danny, why don't you go ahead with your first? Uh, just we'll do one at a time. Is that we're going to do this really quickly just to make sure? Yeah, we're, we're going to all right. Game. I'll start off first. I'm going to go Corey Ballantyne. Why Corey Ballantyne? Well, from really the start of the training camp, I have all of a sudden gone on this Corey Ballantyne hype train. I, I don't know why. I mean, I, I like Corey from the start. I, I was rooting for him. But all of a sudden, I'm here like, man, I'm really a huge fan of Corey Ballantyne. Today, he got first team reps. So, one, that's a huge step in the right direction. And Corey Ballantyne has been Daniel Jones' kryptonite so far. He's picked him off, I think, maybe two three times. I don't know how many numbers off the top of my head, but... Uh, he's he's gonna be a force in the preseason. He's gonna be someone I'm really keeping my eyes on. Out of all the guys I have on my list, I'm gonna be watching him the most because there's not much tape out of, on him out of Washburn. So this will be our first real look at him. So I'm intrigued to see how he handles playing at an NFL level. And since he, obviously he's probably not gonna be a starter corner week one, he's still gonna want to make a name for himself. And I want to see how he goes up against these properly. I'm gonna say he goes up with the second and third string guys. And he also sounds like he's gonna be a part of the special teams unit so i want to see how he handles that as well but cory ballantyne is the guy i'll be watching first i accidentally just muted my microphone um so you didn't hear anything i just said <laughs> nope. <laughs> i meant to mute it while you were talking and then i i accidentally muted it when i started talking uh yeah it's gonna be interesting like you said because we just haven't seen Corey ballantyne yet so it's gonna be exciting like you said he's been making waves in practice and you know going into this camp like you said we didn't really expect um a whole lot out of him he was kind of a big question mark but yeah it'll be interesting to see what we get out of him the first guy i'm gonna go with is tay davis i've been uh, i've talked a lot about tay, tay davis in this offseason of what i expect out of him um how i expect him to step up so, obviously, he's going to be the guy I'm going to look out for. And I want to see what his instincts are. And in and a, and a preseason game where you're not doing a whole lot of game prep as far as, like, game, you're not doing a whole lot of game planning. You're running some very vanilla uh, defenses and vanilla offenses. I want to see when the ball is a run play. I want to see how quick he reacts because that's what he's going to make his money off is, is his instincts because last year they just weren't there. He has all the athleticism. He has – but I, I, you know, Coach Shermer has said that his instincts have really improved. So let's see it. Uh, Tay Davis will be probably my number one guy to watch. Uh, Danny, what's your next one? My next one is Benny Fowler. Uh, reason why uh, the wide receiver issue right now it's still there. So we're going to need to have someone to take a step up in like the backup role as the fourth, fifth guy. And Benny Fowler, him and Daniel Jones have been like having that connection really well. So I want to see how Benny Fowler. How much he's improved from last year because he saw playing time after the Odell Beckham Jr. injury. So Benny Fowler, he's going to be 
he has a lot to prove this preseason because with these injuries at wide receiver, they're going to need to find that next guy to step up big for the first four games. So I feel like Benny Fowler can be that guy to take those steps. Now, as I quickly pull up his stats from last year, so give me that one second. Totally professional going on here. All right, last year, Benny Fowler on 27 targets. He had 16 receptions, 199 yards, one touchdown. That came in that Washington Redskins game in which we murdered Washington. Also, Landon Collins, we're coming for you, so we'll look out. (laughs) But uh, Benny Fowler, uh, I feel like he can really take a step in this offense this year. Year two, he's going to have a lot of proof, especially with these injuries at wide receiver. So, Benny Fowler, I'll be watching you, especially with that Jones chemistry they've had going. I'll be watching you. All right, next guy I'll be watching, Josiah Tuefa, the undrafted free agent out of University of Texas, San Antonio. He, he's a guy who transitioned from defensive line. Uh, he was really good, but he played small school. Uh, I want to see how well he uh, adjusts to playing against guys with NFL strength. I know he won't be playing against starters, but nonetheless, it's going to be a, a big step up in competition. Uh, he's and like we, I think we talked about it in the last episode, Danny. When you play middle linebacker, if you if you're on the the practice squad and you're a middle linebacker, get ready to play because it happens every single year. Those guys they go down. You're gonna be called upon at some point, even if it's in a backup role. You will be playing if you are uh, a a practice squad middle linebacker. So I, I expect him to be on the practice squad. So let's see what he can do. And B.J. Goodson's stock seems to be dropping and dropping. Ryan Connolly is going up. Tay Davis, who I talked about already. So maybe B.J. Goodson is a surprise cut. I'm not predicting that at all. But nonetheless, Josiah Tuefa, Tuefa, be ready to go. Middle linebacker is huge, and you're going to be you're going to be called upon at some point in the season if if you make the the practice squad. No, yeah, P.J. Goodson is randomly really hasn't been used much. In the, he obviously has that little injury going on, but Connolly has taken a huge step up, so I'm really intrigued to see how Josiah goes. And my For my third and final guy, uh, I want to see what's going on behind Saquon Barkley. I'm going to have to go with Paul Perkins because uh, we didn't see him at all last year. He was injured all last season, and when we did see him in 2017, it wasn't that good, but we can't. it's hard to tell if it's really his fault because that was really poor offensive line play. In 2017, he played in 11 games, started in four, but on 41 rushes, he only had 90 yards, so he really wasn't used that much But then they, because they used Wayne Gallman in that role. But in the playoff run in 2016, on 112 rushes, he had 456 yards. So that, that battle behind Saquon Barkley is really interesting because Wayne Gallman hasn't been a name sticking out much through OTAs and now through training camp. It's really been Paul Perkins that's been getting the second team rep. So uh, this is a big moment for Paul Perkins that he could be the backup to Saquon Barkley. And I'm just going to be watching that whole running back group as a whole just because what's going to happen there. But I'm keeping my eyes on Perkins because we just haven't seen him in a whole year. What does he, how, how much has he improved since 2017? So I'm intrigued to see Paul Perkins. Yeah, that's insane, man. Just looking at that numbers, 2.2 yards per carry. I get that. I don't. I remember being bad, but not that bad. But like you said, 2016 was good, and we expected a lot out of him. You know, like you said, he averaged 4.1 yards per carry on 112 carries. He, he started that final game of the season. Um, he doesn't have a career touchdown yet. So, you know, like you said, though, a lot of people are high on him, and he's got a good a chance to win this number two spot as, as Gallman or anybody. And Rod Smith. Uh, rightfully so, seems to be taking uh, a back seat in that running spot. The last guy I'm going to go to, 
I, I don't expect this guy to make the team. I don't even necessarily expect him to be a, a practice squad guy. Jake Carlock, the linebacker slash safety out of LIU Post. This guy, I just... I just want to see him as a football fan. I'm not talking about, like, judging him. Let's see what we can get out of this guy. Let's see if he can improve into the NFL level. It's just he plays like an absolute wild man. And I encourage you, go to his pin tweet and watch that highlight. I mean, it's just insane the plays that he would make. He plays like a wild man. Uh, I cannot wait to watch him play just as a football fan, not as, like, a how is he going to impact the Giants. The guy's just super exciting. I mean, and, like, those are the kind of guys I love to watch in the preseason because we may never see Jake Carlock again, but I will remember these four preseason games that he has. Jake Carlock, LIU Post, representing New York. Yeah, I'm rooting for him because he's a local guy. Uh, you want to see these guys do well. You want to see them hopefully make the roster. Uh, but I don't, personally don't see him making the roster, if anything, practice squad, but that seems unlikely. But... Uh, because of the way you just described him, I'm going to be looking at him now. I want to see what he brings to the table because I haven't done much research into Jake Carlock, but he just seems a guy that loves playing football and seems like he's just good at it, at least at LIU Post. So I'm intrigued to see what he brings to the table come Thursday night. All right, so we'll be covering like crazy, but let's kick it to the interview. We're running a little long. We had on Rob of every, at Everything NYG. I thought it was a good interview. Rob is somebody who I, like, you know, he's somebody I can disagree with and be cool with. He, I uh, I know, like, and we talked about it. He said, you know, like, a lot of people love me and a lot of people can't stand me. Um, I enjoy his stuff. Obviously, like I said, we don't agree on everything, but as long as you're using reason for your opinions, I'm totally cool with that. It's the people that just constantly make jokes or, or negative for no reason. Um, so it was fun. Make sure you go tell them, like, hey, you know, loved uh, your, your your episode with, with the Talking Giants guys. Um, so let's kick it to that. Come on, pay attention in there. Let's go. We got a beautiful day. Work. Play fast. Play fast. Whoa. Ah. All right, we now welcome on to the program Rob from At Everything NYG. Rob has been doing a lot of stuff on Giant Twitter. He's gained a really good following. Rob, before we get started, how you doing? I'm good, man. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, for sure. So I want to, you know, kind of get your story before we get started, and then we'll go into, you know, the X's and O's and the game on the field. So you have a really good following. And I've come, I've become familiar with the last couple, you know, the last couple of months. But how did you gain your following? How, you know, how has you, have you grown this whole thing? It's, it was mostly just a grind, man. You know what I mean? I started really small. I started it out to be just a fan, uh, fan account and just kind of post my opinions out there. You know, I didn't really expect anyone to like them or hear them. Um, and just over time, man, just a lot of grind and just putting in a lot of hours, honestly, into it and uh, starting writing with companies and stuff like that. It just ended up growing, man. And it ended up growing into a great, uh, community of people that i just love talking to every day so i'm not slowing down anytime soon yeah man i i i've you know like i said recently have joined you know started following you and paying attention and we you know i i told you this before the show but we joked i actually found out about you like for real when when they're doing those tier lists and somebody's like oh you know bobby's great and i got you know you know how it goes with followers you get to them in waves and a random day i'm getting like i got like 20 followers or something like that and I'm like, oh, that's why, because Rob just went in on this dude who said he sucked. And then so that's how <laughs> I became familiar with you and started following your stuff and and enjoying what you do in your videos and stuff like that. Uh, but, Rob, I, w- I want to get right into it. You were high on Daniel Jones before the draft, and, you know, we've talked about that. What do you like about him? And I mean, how did you come to that conclusion that he's like a, a really good QB and, and the right pick? Yeah, man. I mean, when I'm when I'm evaluating a quarterback, you know, I look at a lot more, you know, of course, you look at the game film, but I, I look at a lot more outside of that, too. 
Um, and when it came to him, there, there's one thing I've wanted in a quarterback over the last, you know, three, four years. And, you know, that's why you just said some people don't like my stuff. I've wanted Eli gone for a while, man. And the one thing I've wanted the most was a mobile quarterback or somebody that can at least make a play outside of the pocket. Um, and, and I wanted that toughness, too. And with Daniel Jones, man, you watch his film. Um, you know, he was on a team that literally had guys that couldn't catch a ball if it was right in front of him. He had a line that couldn't block anybody in a wheelchair. He had no help. He had no supporting cast. Um, and, and he just always found a way to kind of pick himself up and make a play. And, and if you really look at the throws that he threw, they were exactly where they needed to be. And I'd say probably a good 20% of them were dropped. Um, you know, if you look it back, there's a lot of plays that he made happen that just never were completed because of the drops. Um, and, you know, so like I said, when I was breaking him down and looking at him heavily, I, I started to, you know, not do what everybody else does. And I'm sure you did the same thing. I'm not looking at where he went to school. I'm looking at what supported him, what was his surrounding cast, and what did he do with it. And, you know, I, I saw that in him. I just saw a lot of special things that I really liked about him, especially um, against that Miami game that you were talking about, man. Um, he just – the way he played against his big competition, did, could he beat them? No. You know what I mean? He, again, he didn't have the surrounding cast, but he put them in positions where they were at least a fight. You know what I mean? They at least put up a fight, and he never quit. And I, I look at that at quarterbacks, man. I look to see their drive. I look to see their toughness. And I look to see how they handle adversity on and off the field. And he just checked off every box that someone like Dwayne Haskins didn't for me. Um, and he's just a guy that I think is, is really going to be special in the league if he can use all that and, you know, actually have a surrounding cast now. Yeah, man, I agree. You know, we talked before the show how, you know, the progression of Daniel Jones goes. And, you know, you hear what everyone in the national media said going up and you kind of just thought it was a joke. And you're like, oh, he's, the Giants want him because – uh, David Cutcliffe, and they just want an Eli clone. But you go, like, you know, no, they do look similar when they have a helmet on, and that's kind of funny. But their playing style is completely different. Oh, yeah. um, at least, you know, we're not completely different, but Jones has some things that Eli can't do. But Jones, you know, like you said, he's got the legs, but he's also someone that doesn't rely on them. Um, you, know, he's, you know, he's in the pocket 93% of the time. He knows how to read the defense, his toughness. Um, but what, what would you say is, like, the one thing that stood out the most to him that you really like? And then after that, what's something – that you think he will need to improve on, you know, year one, year two. Yeah, I mean, I'd pretty much say this. I mean, I'd pretty much say the same thing you just said. Is I think the thing that stood out to me most would be just the fact that he can make plays happen, and he's not, he's not like the the athlete you see in Lamar Jackson, but he possesses this ability to be a pocket passer. But the minute he gets a little bit of pressure, he can roll out like a Russell Wilson, and he can make the throws on the run. And he's got a really strong arm, man. I watched him fit it into a few windows that. Not a lot of quarterbacks could, you know what I mean? So they try to say that he can't throw it deep and he can't do all these things. Look, if you put on the film and you watch it, that guy's a gunslinger. And, you know, he also runs a 4-5. And a lot of people don't really understand that that is pretty darn quick for an NFL quarterback. But the dude can move. So that's what kept standing out to me. And like I said, a huge thing for me was just the toughness, man. I mean, I watched this dude get abused every single game, just abused. And he just got right up and then made a play right after it. And, and you know, that's huge. You, you can't teach that. You can't, you know, there's nothing you can do about that. And then you see someone, like I said, that's come from a big school like Dwayne Haskins that just has five stars surrounding them. They could just kind of throw it up and watch the play happen and have 10 seconds in the pocket. With him, it was every play was a challenge, and he made it work. And, you know, that really stands out to me. Yeah, man. His, like, you, you know, you've been highlighting his toughness. And, and it's one thing to be tough, but it's another thing to be tough when your receivers are dropping balls. Like that, you know, I know you watched that Clemson game on that play where he rolled out to the left and just gets smacked and then delivers a ball and they drop it, which would have been like a 40 yard pass. And, and the game was close at that time. And just the continuation to like, not let, you know, freak out on his receivers 
or just let the frustration get the best of them really stands out. I mean, and, and as you know, you know, QB is it's, the majority of it's mental and, you know, the physical stuff is stuff you have to have. But if you have all the physical stuff and you don't have the mental side, you're you're pretty much useless. And we've seen it happen time and time with guys in the league. Exactly. Uh, what What's something that you think he needs to improve on the most? Just in, to be in the NFL or just coming out of college? Uh, both, you know, because I, I mean, I know he has all the tools for the NFL, but like, what do you think is something that he might struggle with from the beginning and have to improve on? Yeah, I think the biggest thing he needs to improve on is, you know, he deal, like I said, he deal with a lot of pressure. His O-line was terrible. But if you, if you really take a deep dive, as I know you did, he is a little bit sporadic sometimes when it comes to pressure or when he is outside of the pocket. He can get outside of the pocket and he will make plays. But um, there's a lot of times, too, where he'll get forced into a bad situation. And instead of taking off or just throwing it out, he will force a pass into a window that's just not there. Um, you know, and that's just a lot of a lot of that can be fixed. Thankfully, that's something that can be coached. You know what I mean? Um, so, like I said, if I had to pick one thing, I'd, I'd say it's how he handles pressure in and out of the pocket and the decisions he makes when he's under pressure. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you 100 percent. We just talked about it the other day where it makes it makes you it sounds like when you're asking like, oh, what's your you know, you're in an interview and like, oh, what's what's your what's your weakness? And really with Jones, it's the kind of stuff that you expect with any rookie QB. It's just. You know, being a little quicker through your reads, there's not a single QB besides maybe Andrew Luck who came out and was just right away, like, you know, read the defense is great. And like you said, you know, forcing plays when he doesn't need to. Um, but, you know, I, I, I want to move on from Daniel Jones because it seems like every interview I do, we spent 15 minutes on Jones and yeah. the rest on the other team. Um, so we'll, 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 we'll diverge from here. But what would you say would be like the worst area of the team right now, or even just like a worst start or projected starter? Um, the worst projected starter, um, in my opinion, would probably be as of right now, BJ Goodson or um, Alec Ogletree. One of the two, one of the two middle linebackers. Um, you know, a lot of people look at Alec Ogletree's stats from last year and they see the five picks and they freak out. If you really look at it, man, he was horrible. I mean, Alec Ogletree was horrible. And I don't know if you agree or not, but. Um, the dude couldn't tackle anything. Um, and he just, he was horrible. Um, and then BJ Goodson right behind him. He's had a few flashes, but he is in no way, shape or form a starting middle linebacker to me. So I wouldn't say the linebacking core. Well, it probably is the weakest part of our team. Just the the core of linebackers. I I do have a guy that I want to talk about later, um, in the linebacking core that I think is going to be huge, but as a whole, as a unit, I'd probably say the linebacking core and I'd say the worst starter on our team right now, I'd probably have to give it to, uh, to Alec Ogletree. Okay, I, I agree with you 100% on Goodson. And then Ogletree, I'm kind of in the middle of him because he does a lot of things that don't show up on film. Um, but there were games where he just, like, really struggled. Uh, but you said you wanted to mention another player. Is that Tay Davis? It, he's one of them, but my, my number one um, breakout candidate, I know you want to talk about it later, so I don't know if you want me to say that. Oh, go now, for it, he's... go for it. Yeah, man, my number one breakout candidate, I can see him having 10 sacks this year, is Lorenzo Carter, if he's used right. Um and, and I think he is going to pick up a lot of the slack on that uh, linebacking core and on the edge. Um, so, like I said, I mean, there's a few positives to it. I think Ryan Connolly, if he gets a chance to get in there, our, our rookie, I think if he gets a chance to go in there, he, he has some great film from college. He had one of the best um, production rates against tight end in college as far as coverage. So I think he's really solid, too. I think we have pieces and then Tate Davis, as you said. But right now, as the projected starters go, I really don't like the unit. Um, but, yeah, so I'd, I'd, I'd kind of sit around there that I think Lorenzo Carter, though, is just – I think he will be that linebacking unit. I, I'm yeah. so confident in that. Yeah, Lorenzo Carter is a weird case where he has all these pass rushing skills, but at Georgia the stats never popped off of the screen, but at the same time they didn't use him as just a down pass rusher. And, and the yeah, Giants Leonard aren't, Floyd. The, 
Yeah. Yeah, but the Giants aren't going to either. Uh, Tay Davis is a guy I like, but he's a guy I like that has to improve on the mental aspect of his game because I think, you know, and I've, I've, you know, I've done some stuff with him, and I'm probably a little biased towards him. But I, I really like him, and I'm yeah, he's one of my guys to watch in the preseason to see how much he's picking up mentally. Yeah, um, and the coaches have talked about that. Um, and then Connolly, you know, we'll, we'll see what we get out of him. So on the other end, what do you think would be the strongest area of the team? The strongest area is definitely going to be the O line, 100. percent That's that's just a easy one for me. Um, I think you know, gentlemen, you know, if you follow my Twitter, you know, I'm not in the greatest spirits with Gettleman. Um, I'm not going to lie to you. But if there's one thing he did do, um, that O-line is, should be, keyword should be, uh, a top five, top, top eight O-line in the NFL. Um, it's got everything we're looking for. And I think Will Hernandez is just absolutely great. Um, and I think uh, Nate Solder will have a really good second year with us. And he'll kind of, you know, pick up his slack from his injuries and stuff like that. So I'd say if I had to pick a strongest point of the team, it would either be Saquon Barkley as the whole team or the O-line. Yeah, definitely. And, and as an O-lineman, I, I love to hear that. What do you think about Rimmers, though? You know, how do you see him filling in? I, I think he's kind of solidified himself as the starter, even though a lot of people thought Wheeler would improve. But Wheeler was so bad last year. It was just that Flowers was so much worse that everyone was like, yes, I'll take someone who gives up these sacks. But where, where do you stand with Rimmers? Because last year was a weird year where they played him at guard, and they said he, he struggled at guard, but guard is kind of an easier position to play. So where, where do you stand with Remmers? Yeah, I, I think Remmers is one of those guys. He's going to be a little bit of a tweener. You know, I mean, I think Gettleman overpaid the heck out of him, um, you know, a few years ago. But for this year, I mean, like you said, he was out of position last year. He had a bad year. Everyone jumps on PFF and they see whatever his last grade was. And it was like 49. It's really bad. But, you know, to me, I think he's not going to be anyone that jumps off the page. I don't think he's going to make insane blocks all year long. And I don't think he's going to be anything great. I just think he'll be solid. You know, I mean, that's my best way of putting it is I think if I had to pick one of the weaker links of the team, I'm not going to lie to you, of the uh, unit, I'd probably give it to him. But that's not a bad thing. Does that make sense? Like our O-line is so much better if I can say Remmers is one of the weaker links of the O-line. That's not a bad thing. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree 100%. And I was listening to somebody the other day, and they talked about how guard play is almost becoming as important, if not more, than tackles. Because QBs, you know, you can avoid guys on the edge that get beat, but if you can't step up into the pocket, that completely screws a play. Um, so I think Zeitler being next to him will be huge. Uh, but you you mentioned pro football focus, and this isn't like a Giants question, just basically on them. I try to not use their grades. They do some cool stat stuff, and they adjust things. Where do you stand with them? Because it seems like everyone I talk to, uh, you know, they, they use it when it, it's in their favor, and they can't stand it when it's against them. I mean, where yeah. do you stand with pro football focus as a whole? I feel exactly the way you did. I mean, one thing with pro football focus I've always tried to avoid is I kind of avoid their grading scale and their grading system. Um, but I do really utilize their, uh, their really in-depth stats. You know what I mean? Like weird stuff, like just, just really weird stats that they have that are really actually valuable. But when it comes to grades, I mean, there was a lot of weeks in a row where Odell had like 150 yards and like a touchdown or two. And they had him at like a 48 grade. So I don't really view the grades because they factor in way too much. And then you also have a player that plays one time a year, had a really good game. So he ends the year with like a 90 grade, like, and they stack up like is the best in the NFL. So when it comes to their grading scale, man, I don't, I don't really listen to it, but with their stats, I definitely take them hundred percent seriously. I mean, they did something right. If the NFL officially like endorsed them, you know what I mean? That's pretty cool. So yeah, I didn't even know the NFL did that, but yeah, I, I agree that the grades, yeah. I just try to, even if they are accurate, I just try to stay away from them because I don't want to just blindly accept them. And I remember, you know, I pointed out 
like Eric Ebron had like 14 touchdowns last year, and then Luke Stalker had like 13 catches, and they had him like 10 points higher because they exactly. had a better blocker. Exactly. Um, so, I mean, what? Uh, let's talk about the wide receiver court because it's really questionable at this point. Obviously, Golden Tate being out the first four games, Odell's gone. Shepard, uh, we you know we don't know what exactly to expect out of him, and it seems like he's getting back in practice and rolling pretty good now. Um, but there doesn't seem to be a burner unless you know you consider Slayton someone that's going to get reps right away. What what do you think of this receiving core as a whole, and then how do you think they should use it? Well, I mean, as a whole, you know, just to factor somebody out real quick, I think, and, and people will take this, you know, probably the wrong way, but I think Sterling Shepard will be everything we wanted Odell Beckham to be. Now, I'm not saying production-wise. You know, Odell had some of the best production in the league for a long time, uh, you know, for several years. But what I'm saying is mentally and, and as a leader and as a player, I think he will be everything that we wanted Odell to be. And I think he is going to be absolutely excellent. I can see him being well over 100, 110 catches. Um, I don't see him lighting up the scoreboard with 14 touchdowns. But I definitely see him being, if that makes sense, a, a natural leader in everything we want wanted Odell to be. But as, as a unit... Um, ooh, you know, I've made a few update videos on this one, man. Uh, you know, the first two days, you know, we lost, uh, you know, Sterling broke his finger, but he's been excellent. You know, he's still playing, catching balls one-handed, you know, he's still doing his thing. You know, if that was Odell, he would have sat out for the first two weeks. So I think that's huge. And then as far as Corey Coleman, that was a guy I was really excited for, man. Um, and that one hurt, you know what I mean? I was really excited for Corey Coleman this year. Um, and that hurt. And then this whole Golden Tate PED thing. So, I mean, it just came in waves, man. I mean, it just hit us one, two, three um, at one of our positions that we finally felt, you know, a little decent about. Wasn't too bad. We were like, all right, Shepard, Tate, you know what I mean? It's, it's not that bad. Benny Fowler, not that bad. You know what I mean? Co Cody Latimer, not that bad. Um, but now we're looking at, you know, Sterling Shepard injured and what is it? Benny Fowler and um, who's the third? I guess Cody Latimer. So, yeah. We went from having, you know, a decent wide receiver core, nothing crazy, nothing, nothing pops off the page, to probably one of the worst in the league, um, at least for the four, first four weeks with Golden Tate out, because he's not going to win that appeal. They never do. Um, so for the first four weeks, Daniel Jones, if he's starting, which he should be, he's going to feel like he's right back at Duke, 100%. Yeah, well, I, I don't think you have to worry about that. I don't think there's – maybe week four, I just don't see Eli coming out. Um, even if they, you know. I, I, I see week four being like the earliest, but Evan Ingram. So he's essentially part of that wide receiver core. How do you see them using him? I mean, I, I like when he's split out wide, but I also do think he is a tight end. I think his position is tight end. Um, he's not a good blocker, if, but he also makes good blocks. If that makes any sense where they don't yeah. the situation to just go and take a DN head up and be, you know, the, the catalyst for a run play. So where do you see where, or where do you think they should use him more? Or, or just how do you think they should use Ingram? Yeah, I mean, there's a few people that approached me the other day and said that he should be a permanent wide receiver. And look, as you just said, I disagree with that. I think Evan Ingram, I think his value is the fact that he is very different as a tight end and he's able to do things that most tight ends aren't, which means if you use him correctly, as they started to in the last three, four weeks of last year, he can have some huge games and have a really big impact on the game. So if you start splitting him out wide, there's people just look at his speed and they think, oh, he can be a wide receiver, but the duties that wide receivers have and tight ends have, especially in a route tree, are so different that if they try to just convert him to wide receiver right now out of desperation, I personally feel that could be the that would be the worst thing you could do to him because he's gonna no matter how close you think those two positions are, there's a lot that he doesn't know, and he's finally finding his niche at tight end, and I think they finally found where they should use him the most, 
and I think he needs to stay there. I don't think anything should be changed. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. All right, so I want to finish it off with, you know, a final question. What do you see this team being this year? Because I, I really think it's got, like, a, a low floor and a high ceiling. Uh, I think it's better than what the national uh, guys think. But I also don't want to, you know, be, be too overhyped. And, and I hate I hate record predictions because I'm the, I'm the type of person where it's one to know every week. In fact, I made an oath many years ago that as long as Tom Coughlin was the coach or Eli was the quarterback – I'd always pick the Giants to win, and I'll probably, I'll probably, you know, transition that oath into Daniel Jones eventually. <laughs> what, what do you see that this team being this year? Um, I mean, if I'm being honest with you, um, I'm just going to be honest. I don't see us winning more than six games. If I'm being optimistic and I'm being also um, a Giants fan, you know, I think this is a team that if they can put it together and, and the coaching comes together and things that we know we have, because there's a lot of teams around the league that look at our depth chart and we look horrible. And, you know, a lot of, we, we understand that, but we also know the guys that look horrible. We know there's a lot of potential there. So if they can put it together correctly, put guys in the right position and just play it safe, play it conservative, don't rush anything, just kind of play our brand of football. I think that they can, they can potentially, I'd say at most win eight games. I'm not going to lie to you. Um, I, I'm not a record predictor either. I don't see us being in the playoffs. If that's, if that's kind of where we're looking at, I don't, I don't see that at all, but I don't see us being at the bottom of the NFC East if they can put this together correctly. And I think you know what I mean by that, because they always use the players incorrectly and waste them. If they don't waste them and they put them together right, I don't think we'll be last in the NFC East for what that's worth. Yeah, I, I think. Well, I think the Redskins may last. That's um, what I'm saying. Yeah, even, I have even, if, even if even if we do suck, I, I, I think the Redskins will be last. <laughs> Where, where I stand, and, and we'll finish it off, is it's a lot of young guys, and that's exciting. Um, but young doesn't necessarily translate the wins right away. But, you know, if we can get this young secondary to step up, and like you said before, the O-line is a strength. And, you know, it went from an Achilles heel to our strength. That could change everything. Um, and I believe if – and I, I think it's all up on Eli. And, you know, you've said where you stand on Eli. But Eli's arm hasn't fallen off yet, and he didn't become an idiot overnight. Um, if he's willing to step up in the pocket and take hits, which last year it, didn't, it seemed like he was, you know, shying away from hits and more willing to take the check down, uh, I think it could be something, you know, around the 9-10 win. But I, I don't know. Um, but, yeah, it's going to be an interesting year. But before I let you go, Rob, didn't you say that you were going to be down in Tampa for week three? Yeah, man, I'll be down there. Um, I actually live over here in Florida right now, so I'll, I'll 100% be there. All right, same, man. I'm over on the East Coast, so maybe uh, we'll meet up over there for a few minutes. and. Hopefully enjoy a Tampa win because I, I talk a lot of trash and it'll, it'll suck leaving with a loss. Oh, yeah. I was there last year when it uh, when it rains, it pours, man. It freaking monsoon when I was there last year. So um, every event I've went to in the NFL recently is poured. I went to the Pro Bowl, poured. I went to oh, the man, the Pro Bowl was miserable. My friend. Oh. And I, I stayed for like three quarters. In fact, I did an interview with Tay Davis in the back of a car, pouring down rain, smelling like wet dog in the back of the car. And it's. It was it was miserable, man. But I was like, if I came here and, and paid my ticket, I'm gonna, I'm gonna at least I'm gonna at least wash the game and sit at the front. But yeah, ho hopefully we don't get any rain week three. I hope not, man. I'll be at that one in a few more. So I already planned a few meetups with the followers, man. And and I'm surprised people want to meet me, but I'm with it. I'm excited. So I'll see you at that one for sure. Sounds good, man. All right. So where can we find you before we leave? Uh, you guys can find me on uh, everything NYG on Twitter, man. That's that's where I uh, make my noise. 
All right, man. Rob, I appreciate you coming on, and we'll uh, definitely talk soon. For sure, man. I appreciate you having me. Some of these guys got to get their head out of their ass around here. All right. Thanks again, Rob, from at Everything NYG. Make sure to go give him a follow for coming on. We've got preseason. It's two days away. And we're going to be balling. Like, I'm telling you, we're going to have highlights out quicker than anybody. We're going to be, I can't even say all we're going to do because I know people will steal this stuff because it's going to be so good. Although, if they do steal it, it'll be for like two games and then they'll get lazy because we are going to be on point working these games, ready to freaking go. I am excited. I know you are, Danny. We talked about it yesterday, how pumped we are for all this. So make sure, you know, share our stuff, man. It helps us grow. It helps us get bigger, better, and that helps us with the people who help us out. So just it's, it's going to be cool and a lot of fun. Um, and then before the game, we haven't set it on a time, Danny. We'll probably do like 6, 6 o'clock. We're going to go uh, uh, Instagram live for about 15 minutes pregame, taking questions. Um, or just, you know, comments or whatever it is. So make sure to follow the Talking Giants Instagram. It's at Talking, no G at the end of that, Talking Giants. Uh, so we do, we'll be doing an Instagram live there, uh, just just previewing the game. So I'm really looking forward to that. Uh, so, yeah, until tomorrow, we got a player profile preview tomorrow. But the next time we do a regular episode, we'll be recapping the game Friday morning, baby. So until then, and on then, let's go Big Blue. you just heard was made using anchor ever thought about making your own podcast anchor makes it really easy for anyone to get started it's a one-stop shop for recording hosting and distributing podcasts best of all it's a hundred percent free sign up now at anchor.fm new that's anchor.fm new to get started